Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. listening to Satellite Sisters. It's Tuesday, June 16th, 2015. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. It's our Tuesday show. So that means I'm joined by Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Jewel. Hi, Leanne. I have so much I want to talk to you about today. I'm really glad it's Tuesday. I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Leanne. <laughs> I know. That's true. It does It does make me happy on Tuesday morning. So uh, yeah, we have a lot to get to. We have uh, just a full range of topics today. First of all, some brief movie reviews. Uh, Julie took me up on my suggestion to see Far From the Madding Crowd. And shockingly, she went to Jurassic Park. Uh, a bunch of articles from the New York Times we wanted to comment on about uh, the cost of being a friend and the passive-aggressive RSVP. I have a piece on mindfulness. I, I previewed on Sunday's show, so I want to talk to you about how you can stop worrying, Julie. How you well, can stop worrying. Anything, Leanne. Five I steps. It's all you need. Five steps to stop worrying. And you're going to tell us how to give a good pep talk, which is good. Yes. How about that? And, That's what friends do. Give and, them a and then that is a full show. We have a special uh, Father's Day interview coming up this weekend I want to tell you about. And a few more follow-ups from Liz's story in Fortune Magazine. Um, but what's happening there? What do you got going on? Well, Leanne, I just, uh, I just wanted to, you're, this must happen in your household, uh, that like your husband gets invited to a business conference. You get some, some flashy brochure shows up at home and, and you think for a while, like, Hey, maybe I could tag along. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, my husband got, my international business husband got invited to a conference and I'm kind of dying to go, Leanne, because this is, wait for it. It is the Drone World Expo. Oh, That's my gosh. That... It's, the, it's the defining event for commercial applications of drones, Leanne. Okay? It's going... Now... That's the good news. It's going to be all about drones and how to bring them into your life and into whatever whatever your operations are. They're going to have flying demos. Doesn't that sound exciting? How exciting <laughs> would, would a drone event be if, if you, you, know, you have to see them in action? So there's going to be a cage in the exhibit hall where they're going to be flying these drones around. Are you there, Lee? I'm there. No, I'm there. Just, I imagine you ducking and swatting the entire yes. time you're there. Just... Ducking and swatting. <laughs> well, there's going to be some networking, too, that there will be other drone enthusiasts, mm -hmm. other people that are trying to bring drones into their lives, Leanne. I mean, perhaps you hadn't thought about a drone in your life, okay? That no, I actually thought about it the other day, like how terrible it will be when there are drones <laughs> flying all over the place. You know, because there's a story on the news every day about drones and commercial applications. I was like... I didn't, I, that's not a future I want to live in, where there are just drones it's randomly flying all over my neighborhood. Flying around. Well, I can't, it, yeah, I can't take it. But they have such, Leanne, they have seminars like Drones for Good. I mean, the drones are going to be able to do environmental and humanitarian things. So I think I that's believe it. I just don't want them delivering pizza. Like, that's fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will attend. Medical supplies in 
okay with that. Delivering pizza, not okay with that. <laughs> well, they do have a whole session on safety-enabling low-altitude low drone operations. Oh, so right there. I think that would be important. So you just you don't want your pizza by a drone. No. So, I don't know. Could Where be is fun the drone like... convention? <laughs> what? Where is it? Where it's is it? Silicon... It's in the heart of Silicon Valley. Oh, so it's, okay. It's in San Jose, California, which, um, hmm, you know, I've been to San Jose, California, hmm. but the drones might make it worth it, Leon. That could be really fun. So, okay. all right, well, keep, keep us posted, Julie, because we don't have currently uh, our slot for drone expert on the show is unfilled. So, <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna step in, feel free. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they have some anacronym. It's or something uh, they use UAS technology. I don't know what the U or the A or the S stand for, but that apparently that's un, the lingo. For, unmanned. Un, I, no, let's no, not. The second letter is A, Leon. <laughs> so manned. Unarmed. Would unarmed. not be available uh, for, for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, being the writer in the family. Okay. Well, I'll let you know. I mean, I'm thinking about it, Leon. That's all I can say. What do you think you wear? to a drone expo. A helmet. I, don't know. I think you wear a helmet for sure. I mean, that's 100%. Really, I just, I, I just I don't, I don't trust drones. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what's going on with you, Leanne? Well, Julie, it's exciting. I'm on day three of my no shampoo test run here. Uh, we, we've Are been... You really do, you're, you're, yeah. I mean, it's not a life or death situation. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I have to use shampoo. It's not, <laughs> you know? I know, but do you have, like, don't you? I just, I, I, I bailed on you, Leon. I thought I was going to try this, but it doesn't, don't you have just end up with sort of greasy, limp hair? No, you don't. And I don't, uh, again, I don't know any of the science behind it. I've done no research other than what people have posted on our Facebook page, which is just, you know, rub rub conditioner into your hair like it's shampoo. First of all, I have dry, I have pretty dry hair anyway, and I live in a dry place and I swim a lot. So those three things, um, mean that I just have a lot of dryness. So, and I have really cut back on shampooing over the last couple mm -hmm. of years. Like I'll, I'll wet my hair and stuff, but I don't, I only shampoo a couple of days a week. So I don't think, um, my hair is missing it and it does look soft and fine. I am just using conditioner as shampoo. And uh, we had people recommend all kinds of conditioners on the, on the Facebook page, but I happen to enjoy Suave, the super cheap Suave, mm -hmm. because it just has like a ridiculous amount of smell in it. It's just a coconut. <laughs> you just, you want to eat it. And then there's Ooh. like a summer, like a sea breeze one that I, I like in the summer. It just smells like, you know, summers when I was a kid. So, um, so I'm happy using the Suave. So, so far, so good. I just, uh. I kind of rub it into my head and then I'll often swim with a little bit of conditioner in my hair and then I just rinse it out and, and that's it. So it's not, um, it is, it is soft and manageable is what I, what I was okay, Leanne. I'm happy to hear that. I may just have to get, now you're like, you're, you're like pushing me over the edge. Now I'm, I'm feeling like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. Just, I think if you have dry hair or the, the words people kept saying were like fine hair or limp hair. Oh, and yes. I, you know, I, so, you know, here's, as I move forward with the aging process, I'm focusing in on two areas, Julie, where I feel like I could win the competition. 
<laughs> I feel like that's really you, Leanne. It's about segmentation. It's about you just you really have to do a critical analysis of your assets and just go with your strong suit. So yeah, what are I your feel like rules? where could I hold the line on the aging process? And it's uh-huh. two two things. It's hair. I have good hair. I've always yes, had good hair. Do. Yes, you do. It's Maybe me- you and Monica tied for the best in the family. No yeah. doubt. So mm-hmm. uh, I've got my hair and I've got a pretty good neck, Jewel. So I'm just. <laughs> I now spend an extraordinary amount of time rubbing things into my neck. <laughs> and the rest of the rest of it is going it's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, just, I well, I'm saying I don't know if I could hold the line in other areas, but I feel like with the hair and the neck, if I can get through the next decade with the minimum amount of damage, I'll be I'll be in good shape. So Okay. All right, Leanne. I like that. <laughs> So that's it. So this, this hair, the no shampoo thing, people said, if you have fine hair, you know, people have claimed it makes your hair grow back. I'll take that. I'll, I'll take it. I figure it's worth a couple of weeks of my life. And really what's the worst that can happen? I shampoo like shampoo. And it's not like you, it's, it's not a diet. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. It's none of those things. It's just has to do with like washing your hair. It's pretty easy to reverse. So there you go. Day three. I'll, I'm just going to keep you posted. I know people are following, following along. Okay. Leanne. Well, that is an excellent report. Leanne, I saw an article in the wall street journal this morning and I was like, this is perfect for the satellite sisters. It was written by Elizabeth Bernstein, and it's how to give a good pep talk, right? Oh, good. Okay, that yeah. seems like a very important life skill, you know, as, particularly if, if you have friends, you have family. And the, the first thing is giving a good pep talk is not easy. You know, I, I mean, I think I am guilty of this, but they've done some research on it. And as people try to give a pep talk, it usually falls into like four categories, which is one is the emotional encouragement. You know, your, your friend is having a tough time and you give them a hug, you're sympathetic. That can be, that can be good. Second is when you attempt to give advice or brainstorm, you know, like Leanne, you're trying to make a life decision and, and I'm offering advice. Okay. That can be helpful on times and time. But here's, here are the two areas that Sometimes when you give people pep talks, they are not, this is not helpful to people is number one, when you try to minimize the problem. Okay. Okay. You know, when, uh, when, you know, something is, something is going wrong at work and uh, you're the friend and you say, Hey, you know, it's really not that bad. That's, you know, that happens in everybody's industry. You know, you just got to roll with it. You know, that doesn't help people and that doesn't make it make the other individual feel better and you're doing nothing to lift their mood or to, you know, to help them out. Or the other, the fourth category of sort of pep talks is when you refuse to even acknowledge that it's a problem. Okay. How about that? And, you know, you, you know, you just say that, you know, like the famous scene um, in the movie where Tom Hanks is saying, there is no crying in baseball. You know, you just, right. you, you're just refusing, refusing to, um, to make, to make, uh, to make it a problem at all. So you, you try to divert or you suppress, you know, you take the person shopping, you take them out for a drink, you go to a movie, you do anything, but actually talk about the issue. So the only two that really work are a being there listening and being there emotionally there for them or and b 
really helping them or giving them, you know, brainstorming advice. If they want to make a career choice or they want to, you know, they want to move, they want to, you know, marry somebody, they, you know, whatever, they want to buy a house, they want to sell a house, whatever, whatever it might be, that those are the, those are the two um, that, you know, that work the best. And I know that I'm not always good at that. I know that I like immediately jump to, you know, where I'm telling you how to solve your problem. And, <laughs> right? That's not really a good pep talk, right? It's not brainstorming I, either. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> not brain, brainstorming. It's, you know, it's, you're not supposed to tell people what to do. You know, like what you really need to do is cut your hair or you need to quit smoking or you really need to exercise. You know, you just, if you try to tell people that, that doesn't cheer them up, that doesn't motivate them, that doesn't help them with their situation. Okay. So the best thing you can do is to listen and then affirm. And they say that, you know, you should use, you know, rather than saying you should quit smoking, you might be able to ask it more like a question. Have you thought about quitting smoking? Oh, there but you go. I don't think that, but I don't think that really works. Cause if someone said to me, <laughs> well, have you thought about losing five pounds? You know, if I'm complaining about something, <laughs> about yeah. an outfit not looking good. I would not take that as a pep talk. Now, would you? No, no, no. no. So, but, but you know, have you thought about changing jobs? That's right. There's personally like attacks on your personal physical being. That's not a pep talk ever, but I can see how the, have you thought about thing might, might be a good, you know, have you thought about seeing somebody for this? Have you, have, right. have right. you thought about not spending all your money on, you know, X, Y, and Z? Have you thought about that? That, that may be okay, but yeah. the tax on your personal weight, that's never a good idea. No, it's, it's never good. And you can go to our Facebook group because <laughs> uh, apparently our sister Sheila had some incident again in the locker room and that you are able to weigh in on whether or not it was a personal attack on <laughs> Sheila or not. And I'll just leave it there. But they also say in this article that timing is key, that you really have to wait. You know, sometimes people don't want to talk about whatever is their problem, that, that you have to wait to, you know, until people are willing to open up before you can cheer them up. I mean, if, if they don't want to talk about it, then you can't, you can't really give them the pep talk. Right. You know? But it just, it really sort of, I thought it was important because, because I think we do this a lot in, in our lives that we try to encourage other people. We try to, you know, buck people up, you know, give them a pep talk and some, and we probably, or certainly I could do a better job. <laughs> job at that because I like to just like solve the problem I just like yeah. to tell people what to do my husband and, does too it's kind of a let me tell you how to live your life thing like he yeah. thinks he's being helpful but it's just not it's not that helpful and then yeah then I mean, it backfires it backfires big time right and sometimes you just want that emotional encouragement you just want the hug you just want someone to listen to you you don't want their answers you know, that's enough. That's all you really need. And then that helps you uh, move on. You know, other times you really are looking for, for advice, but not too many people are looking for advice. That's what I find. <laughs> you know what I feel I'm never looking for are long-winded examples from your own life about, <laughs> about situations you've gone through. You know, how many people do that? Like you mention one thing and the next thing you know, it's like 20 minutes on them. Like what? What? <laughs> so, all right. So a hug and brainstorming. Right. So a hug is good. 
and then brainstorming. Listen to that and listen and wait for the right time. And then once you've encouraged them, Leanne, zip it. Then you're supposed to just stop. Okay. Okay. Which is very, very important. You give your pep talk and then you stop. You don't, you just don't, you know, grind it into them, you know? (laughs) She said, speaking from personal experience. Uh, Yes. Just don't, you don't need to pound or keep repeating it. Okay. 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 Give your pep talk and then stop. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. All right, Julie, here's another one on like how to live our lives better. Okay. I know you and I are both worriers. We are both oh. worriers. We go, we're, we're fond of the worst case scenario way of, <laughs> way of I go directly there yeah. to the, the worst case scenario. Right. And then you back up, then you back up into what the current situation is. But so this headline caught my eye from Business Insider. A Harvard professor reveals a strategy that can help you stop worrying. Okay, now this guy is an assistant clinical professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. His name is Ronald Siegel, and he has a new book called The Mindfulness Solution. So you know mindfulness is all the rage, right? Mm -hmm. We're all supposed to be meditating, and we're supposed to be focusing on the here and now, and, you know, we're supposed to be present, and and we're supposed to just basically turn off our cell phones. Uh, So. But I thought this was pretty, it looked, it looked doable, Julie, because it's only five easy steps. <laughs> I love five steps. That's, that's a good amount, Leanne. And, and does it require any like restrict calorie restrictions? No, no. Okay. No. No, so far, so good. No. Okay. okay. So, so here's, here's what Professor Siegel says about being mindful, how to stop worrying. Okay. That's the key. I feel like I can achieve mindfulness, but when I'm mindful, I'm worrying about stuff. So me too. Me too. So, okay. all right. I love this first line. You are not your thoughts. Sometimes your thoughts are downright ridiculous. <laughs> Just yes, that's a big thought. It is it? a big thought, right? Just because you think it doesn't make it true. Huh. That's pretty good, right? Yes. Just because you think as you, we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time thinking stuff and then all of a sudden it's just blown up in my mind, but you're not your thoughts. Okay. They're something else. You know, you, you just, you just have to let that thought go. Okay. So we all get stuck in our heads. So if you have bad thoughts, if you're, you know, like you're really in the dumps, that's not really you. Right. Who who is that? I don't understand (laughs) that. Who who is it then? Okay. Well, it's just, it means you can overcome them. Thoughts belong to It means they are your thoughts, but that's not you. It means you can overcome them. And how do you do that, Julie? You observe. Don't judge. Okay. You acknowledge the thoughts and then you just let them float on by. Don't wrestle with it. Don't. Don't wrestle with it. They often say this in yoga class. Just observe. You know, you're supposed to have your blank mind. Just let the the flo- the, the thoughts float through. And sometimes I actually picture like clouds floating through my head. So I would suggest that. So you have these thoughts that I'm going to go to the drone conference. I'm going to get hit by a drone. And then, <laughs> and then you just have to let that go. Just, let it go. It's floating through. Okay. Okay. So this one I liked, don't distract, immerse. So do not check your email for the 400th time, right? What's the point in that? Take in the world around you, turn to your senses. That's real. Your thoughts and your stories, 
uh, you tell about yourself. Okay. Your thoughts and the stories you tell about yourself in the world aren't real. Okay. But the world you're actually in is real. (laughs) Does that make any sense to you? I think this uh, professor has, I think this guy has some issues here. Okay. (laughs) There sort of seems to be a mind body separation going on. Your thoughts aren't real. Life is real. So you turn on your senses. And that I can say, like I had a thing this week. I had weekend. I checked my email 400 times for something I knew could not possibly be responded to until Monday. Why did I do that? What was wrong with me? I was just, and I was getting all worked up and getting all worked up. And you were thinking the consequence was going to be negative before. Yes. Or I was just thinking I was, yeah. Or positive. I was getting excited that, oh, this might happen. And and the consequence. And the truth is at 9.01 and a Monday morning, an email came in and no, the answer was no. (laughs) I had wanted an answer to be yes. And it was no, but I spent all weekend long, like thinking, oh, if it's yes, how are we going to do this? How's the timing going to work? I just, instead of, I was supposed to just be tasting the coffee I was drinking and enjoying the sunshine. Yeah. 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 Right. Rubbing, rubbing suave into my scalp and enjoying that sensation. So, Leanne, yeah. I felt the same way because, you know, of course, I did not win the HGTV dream home <laughs> in Austin, Texas. And I was checking that quite a bit. So I should have just let that go. Okay. I can see. Okay. Okay. So this one, note or label intrusive thoughts. Yeah. The thoughts fight back, Julie. You got to <laughs> acknowledge them and you got to give the intrusive ones a funny name. So, you know, say you're going to a job interview and you're all worried about, oh boy, I hope I don't, I hope I don't mispronounce the guy's name. And then you're so Mm -hmm. obsessed with mispronouncing the guy's name, you know, you're going to mispronounce the guy's name. All right. So, you know what you're supposed to say? Oh, that's my old, you know, mispronouncing the guy's name thought. There you go. Just got (laughs) to tamp it down. Just tamp it down, man. Tamp it down. (laughs) Okay. I think this guy has, I think this professor, he's out, you know, he's out has there. multiple personalities or something here going on. <laughs> he's out on. there, man. Again, it's all he's, about to hear. It just this focus. is an incredible mind he's got because it seems like it's talking to him. And then okay. this is just summing it up. Just the last one, number five, return to the senses. Really pay attention to the world around you. Okay. I don't know how this guy gets anything done, frankly. <laughs> he is... So busy listening to the birds sing that he can't get so shocked to me that he wrote a book. I can't believe it. How'd he get that all done? <laughs> I don't know. There's something to be said for this. Like you I don't can't... know, Leanne. I really only understood one and a half points of those five points. Uh, the thoughts fighting it out with each other and... But they're they're fighting it out, but they're not really with me. They're, that's some... Uh, there's a lot to this. You are not your thoughts, Julie. You are not your thoughts. Okay. 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 The life of themselves. There right. we go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's turn to something more in the here and now, Leanne. Okay. How about that? Um, I, 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 so I found a collection of articles this weekend. I don't read the Sunday New York Times every weekend, but this past weekend I did. And there were a couple I just thought, oh, we got we to gotta talk about this. The first is... Um, the whole issue of the passive aggressive RSVP. Okay. Now, you know, at Satellite Sisters, we have been talking about civility for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and trying to, and in particular that, you know, people are supposed to show up for events when they say they're going to do this. But now this is becoming 
now that it's in the New York Times, obviously this is a way of life that um, that we all have to deal with. And what the what the passive aggressive or what they're calling the aspirational RSVP really means is when you say yes to an event that you are fairly certain you can't or you won't attend, but you go ahead and say yes because. I don't know, you don't want to hurt the person's feelings, you want to show support for, you know, an upcoming party or a wedding or a birthday party or a reunion. So you just say, you say yes, but you know you're never going to attend. I have done that before. You have? Yeah, I don't know why I do it. I mean, it's not, yeah, and it makes me crazy. Like, I just know... It usually happens when I'm invited to like a cluster of things and I say yes to the thing in the middle thinking I'm never going to get there. You know, I, 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 why do we do that? I I, I just got to let it go. I'm not my thoughts. (laughs) You are not your thoughts. I'm not my thoughts. I thought I I was going (laughs) to go to your party, but you know what? I'm not my thoughts. (laughs) So I didn't go. Which that surprises me, Leanne, because... Uh, the article sort of referenced the fact that if you're a host or if you're in charge of organizing an event, you're, you tend to be more mindful. You tend to be more sensitive about responding in an accurate fashion. Uh, but And you do a lot of that, Leanne. You do a lot of organizing events, of hosting events. And, uh, and I know that, you know, that would, it would make you unhappy if people said they were going to come and then didn't show up. Yeah. Right? I don't do it a lot. Let's be clear. Yeah. But the couple of times I have done it, I felt terrible about it. So yeah, yeah just like, oh, I'm going to try to get there. But I really know in my heart of hearts, in my yeah. thought of thoughts that I'm not going to get there. So well, I, I don't guess- do it a lot. I don't, because you're right. I do appreciate a real RSVP. Right. And sometimes now you'll, you'll see it both on electronic, you'll see it more probably on electronic posts uh, or invitations than you would on a, a paper post or a paper, paper invitation. And that is the category of maybe, you know how it has yes, no, and maybe. Oh, yeah. But I don't know why you're even collecting that information about maybe, because maybe gets you know, I mean, if you're the host, that means you don't know anything, you know, you don't know anything about that. Uh and, uh, but, you know, and I, and I think maybe it's, uh, there are levels of sin involved. Like, you know, if it's a small dinner party and you don't show up, maybe that's uh, more egregious than if it's some large work related event that you feel like you could skip out at. I don't, I don't know. It but is more egregious. <laughs> you think yeah. so? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would think so. But it's also happening at restaurants too, where people make reservations and they and they have like you know they have very you know they're fairly certain they're not even going to use them but they make the reservations anyway and then just don't show up at the restaurants now certainly a lot of restaurants are putting in play they're taking your credit card information right. or they have a policy that if you're a no show but why do we do that why do we like make reservations we know we're not going to use I don't and know. Uh, that and then not stupid. cancel yeah you know? that seems so. stupid Right. I think we could do better. I think we could be more mindful in this area. You know, I mean, I, I think particularly when you have those group uh, responses where you can see who said yes and who said no, there's a lot of peer pressure associated with that. I know that I've like seen those and I was like, oh, I hate to put myself on the no list, but I know I'm really probably not going to be there, but I don't want to be the only person on the no list, you know, so it's uh, it's a lot I, of Well, I think the electronic invitations in general I just don't respond to them in the same, either I forget to respond or I don't feel like it's as, um, 
I just, I don't feel like there's a ticking clock in my head with those as much as like a real invitation where I try to think, oh, as soon as I get it, I should respond. So, um, well, again, people should respond and they should respond in the right way. So <laughs> passive aggressive okay. RSVPs, not for them. Okay. Not for them. Okay. Well, how about this, Leanne? This is the month of June. We're, you know, we have graduation parties going on and this, this is an issue. This is, uh, this is something that I've heard a number of people I know talk about, worry about, Leanne, and that is these graduation parties for kids and the after parties. And particularly if a family or, you know, uh, is hosting them, you know, what goes on in terms of, you know, and I, and I listen to parents of teenagers uh, and I just still cannot believe that there are parents out there that are supporting underage drinking. But there apparently are a lot of parents that, you know, just, oh, it's graduation. Oh, it's prom. Oh, it's his 18th birthday. We need to do something special. And so we're going to have a keg, you know, or, or what, where, where have they been? Have we, we not? I mean, we have, you know, so much information, so much information about this. You can no longer claim that you didn't know the, you know, the impact of underage drinking or the, you know, or drinking and driving. I mean, we have come so far as a society in terms of, you know, of, of careful behavior. And, uh, and yet this happens all the time. I hear these parents complainingly and that, that their, you know, their kids are going to these parties and they're, and there's going to be booze there, you know, and they don't know what, I mean, and so they keep, want to keep their kids home or they don't know how to keep their kids away from it. You know, it's, uh, so this story in the New York Times was about some families some uh, that are hosting events are actually making the parents and the kids sign liability waivers uh, so that, you know, if you want to come to this party, that you assume all the risks and responsibilities, you know, of uh, attending this party and that you can't, you know, that the hosts cannot be sued. Yeah, I had never encountered that with an actual parent party. Um, certainly with the proms at school and stuff, the kids have to sign behavior contracts, which I think is fine. It gives you a yeah. reason to actually talk about the behavior, talk about your expectations, so it's a good entree. I read that article too, and I thought, um, well, it does, you know, I I'm more surprised at parents who host parties that sort of don't reach out to the other parents, or I really object when parents are serving alcohol and they assume that I know that, <laughs> you yeah. know, well, that's what I, I, so I would, I would gladly sign a liability waiver if that meant that I had the parents acknowledgement that they're hosting a party, this is happening, here's my cell phone. I, I find the other thing more frustrating, like don't assume that I am okay with you having alcohol at a party for my underage drinker. That really makes me mad. How, how and you only it? find out, I've only found out about that after the fact. Like they yeah. talk to me as if I should have known that. Like what? I didn't know. <laughs> why? Because it wouldn't occur to me to serve a keg to a bunch of 16 year old kids. So why? I just, yeah, I'm always surprised at that. I would be but happy to still them. have those parents. I don't how know. Do we still have how can there be parents that are still doing that? They That's just what I really believe they would rather have them drinking at their house than drinking someplace else. I, I don't, yeah, I don't really, I don't understand. I, I don't understand it either. I can't, I, I don't understand it either. I mean, we have tons of kids at our house all the time. It is never, you know, never once have I suggested, let's get them here so they drink here. <laughs> it just, that is a lot. Plus, I feel like they 
think of my house as a safe space, a space where there's no pressure to do that because it's clear we're never going to do that. So, um, yeah. So, and so it doesn't fall on your son. They right. know that it's, you know, that, you know, he can blame it on his tough on parents. His, on his parents, yeah. On his strict parents. I also noticed, too, when Colin went to two proms this year, there were no after parties. Like, I, I assume there would be after parties, and I know he runs with, a, like, a quieter crowd. So, yeah. But at, at midnight, everyone just went home. <laughs> you know, there was, like, one after party for an hour where the parents were very clear, like, there will be soda and a pool table <laughs> and some pizza. Excellent. You know, and then and and then they don't say all night when there's just soda. <laughs> that's that's, the, that, that's right. But that <laughs> so, somehow that this is like a yeah. rite of passage that um, that parents should give kids a pass on that let them have some beer. It's you know it's not going to kill them. Kind of. I guess that's the rationale. Well, I, I thought the liability in that article. I mean, it wasn't necessarily tied to alcohol either. It's just I think it's parents saying, listen, if your kid brings alcohol and drinks at my house, I am not responsible for that. Yeah. Which yeah. is all, you know, well, then don't have a party. Yeah. I mean, I maybe that's I why parents aren't willing to host a party. Right. For that reason. Right. Because it's, it's hard to control. It is hard to control. You know, it's hard to control these days, too, which is weird. Uh, my son, Brooks, was saying, like, oh, I would never have a big party because people steal things. They, they what? They steal things. He said, kids just, you know, people who don't know you come in and they'll lift laptops and phones and things like that. There's so many, like, little expensive electronics around now people steal stuff drugs you know medicine stuff like yeah, that yeah so <laughs> just in general just don't have any okay parties. well that's it no <laughs> more parties and then we've solved the first thing then you don't have to rsvp right. because there aren't going to be any parties <laughs> shut it down which brings me to my third topic leanne which i i, I am well aware of this and i i I don't know where this is going, which is, which is, uh, this was an article about uh, the cost of being a friend these days, that if it's, you know, you're going to a wedding now, you know, it's not just a single day event, it's multiple events, it might be a destination wedding, you also have to have the bachelorette party or the bachelor party, you know, or there's, you've got to go to the wedding shower or the brunch, you know, so it's, it's clothing, it's travel, it's gifts. You have to, you know, pick up the costs of various things. And, and kids can, and young adults cannot afford that. They cannot afford that. And even people who aren't getting married, they're having more lavish birthday parties, you know, and they just want to have a big celebration. So to be a friend in that situation, again, it may require clothing and travel and gifts and tabs and where it's, where it's hard to draw the line and to not show up for one of your friends or not to participate in all the events uh, associated with a wedding. So, but I think, we must be getting to almost like a breaking point where people are going to start to rethink some of this because it seems extreme. It does seem extreme. I saw that article too. And I was, I, I, I get it. I mean, they said the average cost of a wedding has jumped in the last couple of years since 2012 from, it used to cost $340 to attend a wedding. That's just the wedding. And now it's $673 to attend a wedding. Yeah. That is really expensive. For if you're in your 20s and you're trying to pay rent and your student loan and you have, you know, an entry level job and that's when you start going to a lot of weddings. I mean, and then there's a lot of bachelor parties and engagement parties and gifts and, 
And the idea was like millennials feel like, well, this is my turn. I've done this for everybody else. So now it's my turn to have all these things. And it does make you feel bad when you can't go to someone's wedding because of cost. But that is what happens when you're trying to pay off student loans and, you know, pay the rent on your apartment and, and, you know, really start your career. That's a lot of money, $673 to spend going to one person's wedding. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. There's going to be a tipping point, but I don't know what it is that will make people kind of, re, you know, reconsider how they, you know, how they, you know, celebrate and entertain, uh, so that so that people, you know, people, you know, their friends can attend because that's. That's crazy. I know that is crazy. And I think it's just a personality too. Some people do feel like, well, I I know this because I watch Say Yes to the Dress. Okay. And what's going on at Say Yes to the Dress? I can't imagine. I get so many brides say, it's my day. It's a, I'm a princess. I want to be a princess. This is my day. I've been dreaming about this for so long. I don't know. I just didn't have those, any of those feelings on a wedding. You're naturally a little bit selfish about your wedding. Like you don't always think through all the options. Like you know, people's travel schedules and costs and stuff like that. But then taking it to the, I'm a princess, it's my day, I should get what I want. Those are two different things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there are too many reality shows on about like parties and bachelorette things. And, and you know, it used to just be like a night out at, to go a bachelorette party. I, I don't even have a bachelorette right, party. I didn't, I know. You yeah. Know, you, don't, but, you don't have to fly to Las Vegas. Right. You don't have to go to Miami, you know, or whatever. But all that kind of stuff I think has been ratcheted up by like reality TV. So now it's a whole spa weekend or right. It's a weekend in Miami or it's this or that. And it's, that is very expensive. That's, and uh, it's very expensive. So I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what the story is. I don't know. What, but I guess we won't be inv- invited to any because we may. <laughs> we, we are so crabby. <laughs> Nobody's going to want us, Leah. So that's crabby and cranky. Those two crabby, cranky people. Uh-uh. They're not coming. I think it's just a little bridal re-education. You know, just th- that there's nothing. If people can't come, they can't come. Like, I think it's okay to invite somebody and they can't come. Just don't hold it against them. That seems, that seems right. unfortunate. You know, right. understands- I mean, if you plan a destination wedding, right. like, you know, you're just going to have to assume that people cannot go, can, cannot attend. Right. You know? And it's as long like- as you're cool with that, plan the wedding. But it's when people then get mad or, oh, their feelings are hurt for 10 years because she didn't attend my wedding. Like you see, you read that. You're like, really? She, it was expensive. <laughs> Don't get married in Hawaii. <laughs> All right. You're right. We're not getting invited anywhere. All right. A couple more wedding stories, Julie. At first, I saw, I sent this to you. I was like, we must talk about it. I hadn't heard of the Buddy Moon concept. This was a Martha Stewart, I get her newsletter. I get the Martha Stewart weddings newsletter. I don't and know why. And why is that, Leon? Are I you, don't know. Just do- I think I checked all the boxes and, and, you know, it keeps me abreast of wedding trends. And I just have to say to the editors of Martha Stewart weddings, just please lay off those poor brides. They do not want to DIY everything. <laughs> Every day, there's some other thing that the poor bride has to DIY. For God's sakes, don't make her do it herself. (laughs) But this was like one, I was like, a buddy moon? This is going on a honeymoon and inviting like family and friends. Okay. Julie, I, I have to take a strong stand against this. And yes. I say that as someone who's been married for 22 years. Like mm-hmm. that honeymoon is like the only time in your life when you are not going to get grief from people. 
that you are not spending your holidays with them. That's exactly right. Isn't that, that is, true? That's the only time when you're free and clear. Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because once your married life starts, that's when the like, oh, you have to come to my house for, you know, you have to come to my house for Christmas or the holidays or the high holidays or, oh, you have to spend every Chris, every summer vacation at the lake house with the family like we've done for a hundred years. This is it, brides. This is, <laughs> this is when you totally should be selfish. It's your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on this, Leanne. I also think... It is really an important time after that big, lavish wedding, selfish wedding that you've had, <laughs> that you get, get to like focus on being a couple, yeah. even though you probably have been a couple before the lavish wedding, but let's, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's just, I mean, that it is a moment, you know, in your life that you'll never get back again. Right. right? I mean, you almost did not take a honeymoon. Right. And I, I gave you that pep talk, Leanne. Mm-hmm. I told you you had to take a honeymoon, okay? Because mm-hmm. you never get it back, right? You never, ever get a chance to redo that again. And it is, and, and then, as you're right, the rest of your life, you're going to have obligations. Right. <laughs> a lot of obligations. You, you are not going to get your own vacation for, like, maybe your 10th anniversary. But even then, then by then, you often have kids. You got to take them. Right. <laughs> right. Then you're you trying to steal a night or two for the rest of your life. So just don't take family and friends. They love you. You've had a good time. Just go by yourselves and enjoy yourselves. Right. Okay. There you go. All right. That's some good advice. That was a good pep talk, I think, Julie. I think we did a good job. Good we did job. a good job. All right. Now just, now we have to stop. And we have to move on. There was a wedding in New York, Leanne, right? Okay. There's a wedding at the Waldorf Astoria. Julie, you have some details from page six, right? Well, I, this is this is the thing. I saw this and I said, "Oh, there was a, you know a we, you know a wedding at the Waldorf Astoria. Shots were fired." Okay, so I was like, "How could that be? How could you have like a wedding where shots were fired?" And then even then, when I turned to page six of the New York Post to get some of the details, it was a little uncertain. Like. There was a loaded gun at the wedding, but then, then when I saw that the owner of the gun, what his first name was, I was like, aha, uh-huh. his first name was Vladimir. Did yeah. you see that, Liam? Yeah. And they were from Brighton Beach. Yes, in Vladimir. So I think it was a, uh, uh, and, and the woman who was shot, and I, it was noted in the New York Post that she was wearing a bandage style dress, black cocktail dress. <laughs> was That's a good detail. Straight. That was she, she was strapped onto the gurney, That's the good. orange strapped of the gurney. Yes, that she that the um that the gun grazed her head, so she had a head wound. Uh, but she was wearing a black banded style um a cocktail dress, and and her name was Olga or something like that. So, <laughs> well, the this is the thing. Was, they called off the wedding. They had the they called off the reception. Like the bride was unaware that there was the shooting had happened. Two actual um, staff members of the Waldorf were injured by <laughs> from bullet shards. And so the Waldorf said, you know, that's it because they hadn't located the gun. They couldn't yeah. find the gun or the shooter. So the Waldorf said, okay, sorry, your reception done. You're not, you don't get it and you don't get any money back. So that, that, <laughs> that bride did not have her day. No, she did not have her day. I, they did not have her day. 
but it's just it's not uncommon in certain cultures to uh, to carry uh, loaded weapons. Land. This is it's been my experience in in Russia that from time to time there there were quite a few guns around. Uh, I will never forget the time I went to the school auction and a woman had ten thousand dollars in cash in her evening bag. Now that I was like, wow. what? Yeah, she was paying for one of the school auction gifts, and she had ten grand in the evening bag. Ooh, okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know, Leon. Okay. So, so yes, that was show. a good one. There was there was more to that story. So poor bride there. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of planning. Waldorf story. I'm sure that was a lovely, lovely wedding. She was, you know, reception. So very costly. So yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfor- they said there was a lot of screaming when they yeah. and wailing when they informed the bride that her reception, which cost a million dollars, would not be going forward. Okay, okay. and that Vladimir, he is not going to be invited to any no. f- other uh, family events. Okay. You can be sure about that. So. Okay. All right. So you went, you took my suggestion. You went to the movies. You went to see Far From the Madden Crowd. What'd you think? Lovely movie. Yeah. Yes. I would highly recommend it. And it's, I mean, in particular, if you watch the last episode of Outlander (laughs) and are still shaking from it, this was, I mean, it was just such a wonderful, wonderful, that's, that's what it's a historic romance, Leanne. And it was, uh, you know, a good script, beautiful scenery, so well acted, you know, you were really involved with all the um, the, the characters and really shepherds. I, I think I think that <laughs> rethinking that, that. Could, it's a new category for us. <laughs> it's a new category that we really have to be on. I see that there is a very popular um, it started as a blog. It was a, it's a shepherd in um, in England who has started blogging about his life as a shepherd and. You know, and I think it's it's just gained in popularity because people are attracted to, you know, sort of the simpleness of it. You know, and he just writes every day about the sheep and the weather and, you know, the sheep and the weather and stuff like that. (laughs) Is he hot? Is he a hot shepherd? Sort of, sort of. But they're going to make a a TV series about it now. Oh, God. So shepherds are shepherds are in. Shepherds are trending. They're trending. (laughs) Yes, they're definitely in, Leanne. So far from the Madden crowd, I would I would recommend it, Leanne. I think that was uh, that was a good. Thank you for recommending that. So you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. I felt I felt guilty about the Outlander finale, so um, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad yes. you enjoyed it. Yes. Well, I did want to mention, I was curious, uh, my husband and I, we saw the results over the weekend uh, for the Jurassic Park movie, right? Like $500 million, right? In the first yes. opening weekend. So we yeah, were like, half okay, a billion dollars worldwide. What's all, what's up with that? We, we're just, we're just going to have to go see. Um, and uh, I totally concur with our former engineer, technical director, um, uh, Kira Knightley um, impersonator, John Ramos, yeah. who used to, used to help us produce the show, Satellite Sisters. He said there are three words that describe Jurassic Park. Chris Pratt dinosaurs. That's all you need to know about this movie, okay? There is a lot of that Chris Pratt, and he is doing a fine job, okay? He is uh, sort of a dinosaur wrangler in this movie, Leon. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's well, it. Well, I saw the first one and it looks pretty much exactly the same as the first it one. Is, and the dinosaurs, they are bad, Leon. They yeah. are totally bad, <laughs> these dinosaurs. Woo! 
So, but I can understand the worldwide appeal of this, okay? Because it's not like it is a dialogue-driven movie, right? No, it's it's really not. They let the dinosaurs out and things happen, okay? That's what happens in this movie. And, uh, you know, you have Chris Pratt, who is just very good-looking, very handsome, uh, you know, he's, he's doing a fine job there. So he, and then he have- does have shockingly that Indiana, you know, Jones appeal. He has that Harrison yeah. Ford appeal. He knows yeah. how to deliver a funny line. He's good enough looking. Yeah. He's, and I just only because I so loved him on community where he played this complete sl- slacker who yeah. like lived in a pit and made, <laughs> made up bad songs. So it's so funny that he's this giant movie star now because yeah, between big guardians big. of the galaxy and this, because really, if you know him from community, it's just, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, Andy from community. <laughs> so. and he's, and he's doing a fine job. He is, this is, there is, there's a, just lots of action, not much dialogue and, and just some really, really bad dinosaurs. <laughs> so okay. So you might want to check it out. That's all I can say. Well, we're finally going tonight. My Mother's Day gift was supposed to see Pitch Perfect 2 with the boys. And I haven't... That weekend is when your son, Will, arrived. So we had to reschedule and then things... This is what happens when your sons get girlfriends. You don't get to see them anymore. (laughs) So... Apparently, Briggs has been going out with his girlfriend. So tonight, Tuesday night, we're going. We're finally going okay. to see Pitch Perfect 2. It's still in the theaters. And I read that they have already signed for a Pitch Perfect 3, which I'm already excited about, even though I haven't seen Pitch Perfect 2 yet. So we're finally going to that tonight. And then, uh, so that's exciting. All right. A couple of things. Oh, you know what else is on Masterpiece Theater this week, Julie? We should check out. Possible review topic is Dark. Did, oh, yes. Leah. That speaking of shepherds, I mean, it looks like I don't know. I miss Poldark the first time around. I don't really know anything about the story, but it is like looks like classic masterpiece theater drama with like, you know, historical drama with a guy in a cotton in a linen shirt. Is that is that correct? <laughs> that's that's really that's that's sort of the elements we're looking for. OK. So, OK. Guys in linen, linen shirts. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that starts this weekend. So set your okay. DVR. Right. We'll, ch- we'll check back in Tuesday. I'm pull dark, pull dark people. Um, okay, a couple of news and notes from all over. Um, we are taking Father's Day off because um, well, Liz is going to Europe, and I have some stuff to do on Father's Day. Julie, you probably do too. So, but we are going to post yes. a couple of extra yep. shows. We have some throwback shows I wanted to post for you. Uh, one of my favorite shows is just a collection of interviews um, with some great men that we talked to over the years at Satellite Sisters. So we'll post that. But then I'm posting another one of my author interviews this week, and I just spoke with Matthew Quick. And Matthew Quick is a contemporary fiction writer. He wrote. His first novel was The Silver Linings Playbook, which of Not course, bad. yep. And now he's six novels into his writing career, and his latest is Love May Fail. And I just had, before we did the show, the most fun conversation with him. He is really a good guy. Uh, if you like sort of Nick Hornby's writing, it's right mm-hmm. in that wheelhouse. Uh, it's very funny, it's very contemporary, it's really dialogue and character driven. Um, so it's fun to read. So I'm going to post my interview with. Matthew Quick this week, too, is kind of a special Father's Day gift. The book would also be good for men. It's called Love May Fail. 
there's a lot of good male characters in the book. So it appeals to both, both genders, I think. Um, so we've got that going on. You know, Liz made some more news this week, posting on Fortune Magazine's website um, about her uh, experience at Quicksilver and why she left the board there. Uh, she wants to say thank you for all of the supportive posts she's gotten on Facebook. If you haven't seen that or you're not on our Facebook group, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. Um, links to the Fortune article are there to the podcast we did about Liz's experience as a woman on an all-male board and why she left. That's there. Go ahead and leave a comment if you want at SatelliteSisters.com on our blog or spread the link around. That would be great. Um, she's really appreciated all the support. It's been uh, a challenge for her, I think, to, yes, to sort of step out and st- be noisy and stay noisy on this topic. And um, so she she just wanted me to pass along her thanks for all the supportive comments. It is it is uh, it is great to see all that on Facebook. Well, it's also interesting to read that, you know, people uh, at all different levels, have, you know, relate to her experience, yes. and, you know, relate to what, what she went through and are trying to incorporate what Liz wrote about and talked about into their workplace. So that's, that's pretty neat too. Yeah. I just got an email from a friend today who read the article, a friend of mine from um, growing up and she, she has a job where she's at a company that has a female CEO and a female COO. And she said, and we are still left out of conversations with, you know, men at a certain level in our, in our group. And she goes, I just, I thought it was just me. She goes, sometimes I thought I was just imagining things that they were having meetings and conversations. And I thought, oh, I'm overreacting. And so she said it was really important to her to read Liz's story because she realized it's exactly what's happening. It's just, they don't, they're not even thinking about it. They're just leaving us out as if it doesn't even matter. So I think you're right, Julie. I think it has touched a lot of people at a lot of different levels. And I think that was Liz's point is that she happened to be on the board of directors, but it's happening at every level. So, uh, so stay noisy people. And she just wanted me to say thank you for that. Um, you doing anything else this week, Joel? Well, I certainly want to wish everybody, I want to wish fathers to be, and we have one in our family yes. that is a fathers to be. Yeah. No baby uh, for Megan yet. I don't know why Liz put all Megan. that. Yeah, on. I, I told, I knew I that. That was going to okay. backfire. But <laughs> you knew it. So, you knew it. So fathers to be, we, uh, we, you know, we have special uh, shout out to you for your fa- uh, upcoming father's day for new fathers, uh, for all fathers, for those of us who have lost our fathers, uh, we, you know, we want everybody to have a very special Father's Day this year. Excellent, Julie. Excellent. All right. Thanks, everybody. And don't forget, call your dad or call your satellite sister.